Hello, and welcome to Being Boss, a podcast for creative entrepreneurs. I'm Emily Thompson. And I'm Kathleen Shannon. I'm Kelly Knight, and I am Being Boss. In this episode of Being Boss, we're talking about manifesting, getting aligned, and maybe cults with modern mystic Kelly Knight. As always, you can find all the tools, books, and links we reference on the show notes at www.beingboss.club. I know that we have a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs and side hustlers listening to the show, so if you're sitting there thinking about becoming your own boss, there is a good chance that your idea of how challenging it will be won't exactly match up with the reality of how challenging it's actually going to be. Now, this is not an attempt to talk you out of it. In fact, it is the exact opposite because there is so much amazing help available. You've just got to know where to look. So our friends at FreshBooks make it ridiculously easy to do cloud accounting for small businesses, and they have helped millions of folks just like you make the brave leap to being their own bosses. With FreshBooks, you can create and send perfect-looking invoices in less than 30 seconds. You can also take photos of your receipts from your phone, which makes managing your expenses a million times easier. Now, to see how FreshBooks can support you in becoming your own boss, we want to offer our listeners an unrestricted 30-day free trial. Just go to freshbooks.com slash beingboss and enter being boss in the how did you hear about us section. Kelly Knight is a natural, intuitive, and psychic medium who blends depth psychology with tarot to help guide people through life's transitions. She's become one of the premier tarot readers in the Southeast and has been featured in publications such as Nylon and Goop. Kelly is also the founder and CEO of Atlanta's Modern Mystic Shop, a modern metaphysical shop featuring ritual tools like candles, crystals, and tarot decks, all intentionally crafted by female makers. In partnership with her husband, she is creating a new way to generate profitable brick-and-mortar businesses by prioritizing intuition and integrating spirituality with company culture. Kelly, we are so excited to have you on the show. Welcome to Being Boss. Thank you. I'm so excited to be chatting with you ladies. All right. So first and foremost, can you give us a little bit of background on what you're doing now and the path that led you there? Yeah. So right now, my main project is Modern Mystic Shop. So this is a modern metaphysical shop based in Atlanta, Georgia, in this amazing shopping center called Pond City Market. It's just full of our whole building, actually, where I am is full of local vendors. So even the food vendors, all of the shops, it's really I don't know, independent and wonderful. And so that's what I'm running now. So we've got crystals and tarot decks and we do readings and have apothecary items, really everything that you would need on your spiritual journey, uh, but in a modern, fresh, updated way. So there was a time where, you know, I was doing a lot of tarot readings with clients and in my hometown and I didn't have a place to send them that felt like me or them. The other metaphysical shops here are cool, but they were sort of, you know, made in the 70s. And I think everyone's been to that, you know, one store where there's the drapes and the crystal balls and stuff. And that didn't feel like me or my clients. And so I sort of, I saw a gap that 
our city could really use a space where these tools were being presented in an intentional setting and in a modern, clean way, where it could feel like maybe you're walking into a West Elm or anthropology and not sort of, I don't know, I don't want to diss other concepts, but where it's fresh and it's lively and it feels accessible to anyone that's strolling by. So that's sort of how that came to be. Yeah. From a branding perspective, I love this so much. Anytime I'm teaching workshops on branding, I really like for everyone to think about these contrasts in your business and to flip the script on what has been expected. So we've all wandered into those metaphysical shops and we love those shops. They definitely have their place, but there's always room to grow and evolve and to really change what's even expected now of, you know, what you're wanting to do. So kudos on that. And then how did you get here? What did you do before you opened a metaphysical shop? Well, I have a background in marketing, which I think is just such a phenomenal background for anyone in business. And so I was doing some work. I started in media and radio sales. I got to work for my hometown radio station that I grew up listening to. And that felt like, I don't know, I was meeting these celebrities, even though, you know, they're just Atlanta radio DJs. And I was really successful there. And they really taught me because it was sort of a forward thinking radio station, how to sell digital. We were selling, I mean, it's a no brainer now, but we were selling targeted emails. You know, like that wasn't a thing when I, when I first started, we were on the cutting edge of that. Um, sort of they would throw these big concerts and events and activations. And so I really got into what it feels like not just to sell one thing, but to create these programs for clients where they're reaching audiences in engaging ways. And so that was my background was through the radio station. And then one of my clients was a startup called Moe's Southwest Grill. Have you guys been? Yes. Welcome to Moe's. <laughs> I know. <laughs> They've got the best queso. So um, Moe's was working with the radio station and they were um, smaller then and they were building their marketing team. And I realized that I wasn't so much into sales, but I was into marketing. And so I was one of their first. They hired three of us at one time as a field marketing manager. And I loved working in that startup environment. Everyone was under 40, even the founder and the president of the company. Um, You know, it was a little bit of disarray because everyone's doing everything for the first time. But I got sort of the flavor of what it feels like to work for a startup and not really have that many limitations. You can just sort of do it, do what you want, or you can test ideas. And so that's where I really got my marketing chops, so to speak. And then from there, I had a couple more jobs in media. I worked at a TV station, um, a news station, and I was representing this new digital property owned by uh, Gannett and Tribune. It was called Metromix. It's since been laid to rest, but I was the, you know, the token young person. So like all these news executives and anchors would be like, what would make you watch the news? And I'm like, put it online. <laughs> but they weren't really doing that. But that was sort of my role. Um, and then from there, I started consulting. So I was getting sort of a good feel for building my skills in PR and marketing and media. And so I started consulting local businesses and actually all the way up to international brands. And that's what I was doing before I got hit by a tarot deck, basically, that really just created this random fork in the road. 
Yeah, I love this because this is not a very spiritual sounding path. It's all very practical and marketing and sales and startups and all of these things. But what you're doing is you are, you know, you're building a culture in Atlanta and I think, you know, around the country that's very spiritual based. So I'd love to hear about that tarot deck hitting you and how. Right. Sure. I imagine you walking through one of those like 70s mystical shops and it's like a really cute romantic comedy where a tarot deck just literally flies off the shelf and hits you in the head and you get a concussion and you forget what your job is and create a metaphysical store instead. Yeah. Is that what happened? Exactly what happened. Um, So simultaneously, while I'm doing all of this, you know, growth in my career, I was simultaneously really seeking because I, you know, I made six figures my first year out of college. I owned a condo at like 24, owned my car, and I was still really like sad and stuck and not fulfilled. And so before the tarot deck hit me in the head, I started really in my mid-20s, so about 10 years ago, seeking. I was going to these different retreats. I was working with this group in Atlanta that did depth psychology work, gestalt therapy. They taught me there how to use an energy modality and taught me tarot. Um, and I was trying to sort of assemble a life that looked, that not, not just looked good, but felt good. I have to ask how you did this in the South. Were you in Atlanta? And what yeah. was all of that like? Yeah, I was in Atlanta. And, you know, I have to say that I, it's sort of like my reality kind of unfolds around me based on what I need. And I just sort of kept on bumping into the right people that, you know, and To give myself a little credit, I was pretty vulnerable and I opened up to a few people about feeling stuck and depressed and not really knowing where to turn when I normally maybe wouldn't have. And then those happen to be the right people that are like, oh, you should try this class or oh, have you read this book? And teachers just sort of kept on appearing for me in a way that was really organic And I could kind of be sort of soul searching while I was continuing to just build my career and move forward because what else are you going to do? You can't, I couldn't just stop working. So in the South, you know, that was a little bit of something that made me nervous. Like, was Atlanta or was the South ready for tarot readers? Um, actually, the oldest metaphysical store in our city is outside the city limits because I think there was a point where it was actually illegal in our city to be giving tarot readings and selling occult items. So that shows you a little bit how far the South has come. And uh, luckily, for whatever reason, my little sphere of influence was ready for me after a time. And then that got bigger. And then sort of I feel like there's this domino effect or I can't tell what came first, if the people were there and they're attracted to us or we've sort of simultaneously started just to put this out there and normalize it. But that was kind of my mission was like, this is what we do now. It's at that point, it's 2016. We read tarot cards and we get acupuncture and it's like not fucking weird. Wait, wait, wait. So yeah. how did you get from though the marketing and consulting and media buying to then the tar- where's the bridge between okay, so that then, and then yeah, opening so a store? That's when the tarot deck hit me in the head. No, my husband bought me as a gift, The Wild Unknown. And I'm sure you guys have used it. It's such a popular deck um, with our age group. And 
For me, it was like a really mystical experience. Uh, Tarot went from how I used to approach it would be I would pull cards, I would read a book, I would go to Biddy, our friend, you know, I'd go to BiddyTarot.com, I would figure out what the meaning of the cards were, and then I would kind of put my slant on it. And it always felt disconnected. It didn't feel integrated or intuitive. And so for whatever reason, like divinely, he gave me this gift. And it's like lore that you should be gifted tarot decks anyway, which makes it kind of cool. And it was almost as if overnight, it made sense. Like every card meaning, every sort of, I don't know, inference, I just got it. It became animated to me. And I did kind of skip a step in the sense that a couple of years prior, I did have a very abrupt psychic awakening as well, where it really was like one night I went to sleep and the next the next morning I had access to the spirit world and angels and unseen realms. I, it, it sounds like a movie, but that's really how abrupt it was for me. So tarot was a way that made that less scary, where I could kind of hone it in and focus it into a specific medium. Okay, so I love tapping into intuition and I feel that it's I'm really in the flow whenever synchronicities are happening. But I think that if I woke up one morning and I was able to see <laughs> angels and auras and hear things like to be, you know, almost flooded yeah. with that kind of ability, I would question whether or not I was maybe going crazy. Yeah, that's what happened. Okay, so yeah. so can you share more about yeah, that? Yeah, sure. Um, I thought that I was having – I thought it was possible that I was having a psychotic break. Um, I was in these classes and we were in this program where we would meet every three months and go – you know, into the Georgia mountains and we would do this really intense work. And there was this one weekend where we were doing very intense meditation slash hypnosis. And during that time, um, every, we did this one exercise where everyone in the group was the recipient of this energy. And so I sat there and I received it and I had a spontaneous healing. I actually had a cyst on my wrist that I was going to be surgically removed and it vanished. And then someone else was hiking their turn and I was sort of in meditation and it felt as if almost like the the skull of my my skull was sort of cracked open and someone was like working under a hood of a car like zip, zip, zip. It's very weird. And I thought I was just hallucinating. I'm like, okay, we're like really tripping balls out here in the middle of the North Georgia mountains. Um, and then when I came home from that trip, I was meditating again, and that's when a lot of this stuff came through. And I did think that it was possible that, I, like I said, I was having a psychotic break. And I confided in my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, and my dad. And I just prayed very hard. I said, okay, if this is normal, I need a coach. I need a teacher. I need a sign. I need something because this does not feel comfortable to me. You can imagine. It was like a parade of like for sure deities and spirits. It was very weird. Wow. So I went to brunch with my husband um, at this place called – it's no longer around, I don't think, but Cafe Jonah and the Magical Attic. And they always did readings and stuff upstairs. And I saw this flyer for an angel circle. And I'm like, okay, I'm seeing angels. I don't know what an angel circle is, but it sounds like this person might be able to help. And I went to that. And as soon as I walked in, the facilitator who now became, who then became my mentor said, um, do you know Archangel Metatron and Gabriel? And those were the two energies that I had been seeing like on a recurring basis. 
And it was immediately validating to me that she spoke by name those two angels. And then she kind of took me under her wing and really helped me understand how to appreciate this as a gift, how to sort of filter things out, how to ground, how to like all the things that it took me years to develop. And she helped me to normalize it and to help me understand that there are other people that might be having these experiences. So her name is Joanne Cohen, and she really changed my life. And now she's a reader at my shop sometimes, which is crazy to me that my mentor like does guest readings, but she's super proud. Okay, I have two things I want to say. One, I want to go back to the Wild Unknown deck because I have to, I have to ditto that that deck for me was the one that made sense and the one that opened me up to other decks. Like I was having a really hard time really getting into tarot until I gifted myself (laughs) the Wild Unknown deck. And I was able to connect with that on such a deeper level and then therefore connect with other decks as well. It was like the gateway drug for me. Sure. I think. So if anyone out there is wanting to get into tarot and not to say that the Wild Unknown deck is that deck for every one. But I do think you have to find the right deck for you mm-hmm. and how it is that your mind works. So that plus, oh, I can't remember what my second thing was. I got too into that one. Kathleen, do you have I've something to one. say? I've got one. I Go. do. I actually have a, a pretty serious question. And I think that in spiritual matters, it's something that we should take seriously. Like it's not as flippant as sometimes what it looks like on Instagram of lighting some Palo Santo right. and smudging your house. And that's great and all. Um, sometimes it's not. We can go into a whole other conversation about sustainability. But I want—I just want to talk about the seriousness of spirituality and cracking your kind of like heart and soul open to these things and making sure that you are safe mm-hmm. and protected whenever it comes to choosing mentors, guides, and groups. Yeah. And if anyone has seen, I don't know, Wild Wild Country on oh, Netflix, yeah. right, I mean, right. Right? like there is some pretty, there can be some shady stuff, right? Totally. And so I just have a question for you as this person, um, you know, that is in the community that people trust and that has been through this experience where you've were cracked wide open and were probably a little frightened. Right. How how did you um how did you navigate that? Like feeling safe and secure within these really deep spiritual awakenings. And do you have any recommendations for people in making sure that they're staying safe as they're looking for their own community? Yes. And I have Yes, that's an excellent question and point um, to the tarot deck, and then I'll s- swap over. Uh, I think it's very important that you find a tarot deck that speaks your language. And for me, that was the Wild Unknown. And now I've been working with the Smith Waite deck more, and it just feels like time that maybe I- there's something else that's speaking to me. Uh, if you're having a hard time with tarot, I would not suggest that it's not for you. I would just suggest that maybe you don't have the right deck that not only speaks your language, but like your specific dialect of like English. It's that, it's that specific. And that's why in our shop, we have lots of indie decks. We've got the traditional decks and we have them out for you to like touch and feel and work with. So don't give up on tarot. If it's not working, try another deck. That would be my, my, to answer Emily's question. Now, about Kathleen's like very deep and profound question. Um, I actually did not always have a great experience. The place where I went and I, that's, I, I'm very grateful. I learned a lot. I met my husband there. 
Um, I healed a lot of my trauma there. Uh, but then it got to me a little bit culty, I have to say. And that's why I don't actually refer people to go there any longer. And I got to a place where I was working there. I was living with people in that community in their homes. It's like a home training. And what really let me know that it was not okay was when I was having this psychic awakening, I thought that's what we were all trying to do. Like we were trying to get in touch with our intuition, step into alignment and create a life. And when that wasn't celebrated there and it was like, are you trying to make yourself special? You know, what? like, are you, uh, there's only room for one person to be the one that can hear or sense or know. When I felt like I was having to run by like major life decisions to the, you know, the teacher in this community, I literally packed my bags in the middle of the night and ran away. Like I, I left and wow. <laughs> that actually happened. So it's so, I'm so glad that you asked that question because a lot of these spiritual tools will serve you really well until they don't. And, and then what I would say is you have to take personal responsibility for who you select as a teacher, who you select as your readers, and you cannot forfeit your own discernment or screams or <laughs> from internally, uh, because someone has, some sort of rank or experience or whatever. And that's what I learned very clearly was that, you know, when I found myself knowing things and sensing things and it being contradicted by the leadership of this group, and I'm like, yeah, but I just know that that's not the way that it is or how it should be. And I started making myself wrong and thinking, oh, I must be wrong. And it turned out that I wasn't. I just like fucking got out of there. So okay. wow. does that answer your question? <laughs> I guess. Yeah. And then what would you say are some red flags for someone? You know, for example, let's say they're in the South and they're not around a lot of this and they're seeking a little bit more spirituality and they want to play with their first tarot deck, but maybe they're scared because they have watched Wild Wild Country or even sure. just heard your experience. Or, you know, I know that I've gone to some metaphysical schools and some red flags for me was um, whenever they try telling you what you can and can't eat, that's a big red flag. Probably another red flag is what you can and cannot wear is another mm -hmm. red flag. And 100%. then, but for me, the biggest red flag whenever it comes to spiritual teachers is people who are unwilling to share their sources. And so I don't know if this is, I'm not at all an academic. I went to school and I just think it's so important whenever you're sharing information from legit philosophers. So I know that they were sharing some really cool stoic philosophies and some really cool, you know, like Wayne Dyer stuff and law of attraction and Abraham, but not saying where this stuff was coming from. And then mm. I would stumble across it later and verbatim, you know, it would be the content that they were teaching. And so that even was probably in hindsight, one of the bigger red flags. Yeah, for sure. Um, so so what would you say are some of these red flags that you would recommend someone look for or, you know, maybe the opposite of a red flag whenever it comes to like, how can you make sure that someone is going to be a good mentor, like even your teacher who helped you finally learn how to ground? Like what was different about her? She didn't ask me for any money. Which I don't think that I want to get into like everyone giving you your services for free because as a practitioner, I understand that there's an energy exchange there. But she swooped in to help me because she saw me in need and wasn't like, and my rate is $250 an hour. It was like this person is having this experience and, and this crisis and I can, I can help. Right. So I would check on, I don't, I don't want to say like if it's super expensive, shy away because I've also, you know, 
I'm paying, you know, a good amount of money to be part of this like women's group that I really believe in. But I would check to see, does it feel like a fair exchange? Anytime that anyone's asking you to substitute your judgment for theirs, um, even if it doesn't feel right, like that's a hell no. But I will say the thing that's tricky about sort of like the occult practices is, especially in the South, we have this cosmology that's really really tight on us. And so sometimes it's hard to discern between like, is this an old story uh, that I was trained to think that these things are evil? And that and and so I need to sort of re like unprogram myself? Or is this an internal red flag saying like, don't approach this, it's not safe. Mm. And so do you know what I mean? Because that's what we run across a lot, like in our store. And my husband, he's a part my business partner, but he grew up in a church community and his dad's a preacher and he doesn't go to church anymore. And he's a practitioner of magic, like legit systems of magic where he's been um, in, I don't even know the words cause he, but whatever he's been trained and induct, I don't want to say inducted into these certain lineages. And he had a lot to unravel about all of that stuff. Right. And so we all do. So it's really getting in, into your body, I would say, and creating the first step to intuition for me is your yes, no. And just mm. get into like your internal yes, no. And like, is this in your body and not like a mind voice saying yes or no, if that makes sense. Yeah, I want to continue that line of thought because I, I, I was planning on bringing you on the show. We were planning on bringing you on the show to talk about intuition and blending that into your business and um, how that looks. But I think that this is a good first step is even just discerning that yes, no about picking out that tarot deck or that crystal or really, um, or that I think client. what you're saying, you could go into or that really client. practical things too, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And like really getting out of that lizard brain and getting into finding the parts of your body that help you better, more accurately make those decisions. Um, so What about you whenever it comes to your business and that yes, no intuition? Are there other ways that you tap into that? How does that work for you? Yeah, I I have, um, luckily, I have developed a bit of a psychic sense in knowing, which is probably more astute than average. So your average listener probably isn't um, participating or having access to similar things as I am. So, but I do train our staff. So that's part of the culture we've created is to sort of infuse. You've got like your into intuitive sense with your executive mind is what we call it. And you have to kind of have them both working in tandem. So we lead with intuition and then check, <laughs> check with our executive mind. And so that's where we bring in things like the tarot. Like I train if whoever's interested in our staff, how to use these cards to help guide and help uncover what might be out. I love tarot for uncovering what you might not be seeing or what's under your level of conscious awareness. Um, and then my, my husband does a lot of the training with folks um, about the body, like the, the body connection. And I learned that through that school that kind of got wonky at the end. But it's really finding that quiet space between the future and the past and dropping, dropping in there. And so there's some meditations that I've created, or it's part of the training program when I teach people how to read tarot, how to get in that space where you're not attached or you're not future, you're going too far into the future, and the fear from the past isn't really informing the decisions and just practicing getting right there. And so I do a lot of meditation. I um, That's my daily practice every day is kundalini yoga and meditation specifically to help me drop into those spaces 
And that's where a lot of my decision making happens is actually after meditation where it's like, oh, that's clear now. Oh, I get that. Or why was I worrying about that thing that doesn't matter? Did that answer your question? Yeah. Okay, wait. But now I have more questions. Yes, please. Of course. Can you tell me a little bit more about your kundalini practice? This is I don't know that we've ever had a kundalini yogi on the show. And I'm like not barely even on the surface familiar with what that looks like. And I know people go through like 200 days of every day for 45 minutes a day doing it. So what's your kundalini practice like? And can you explain what it is? Yeah, I'll do my best. I'm not a kundalini teacher. I'm a kundalini yogic practitioner, right? So I have this teacher that I work with based out of LA and she's Um, also a mentor of mine. And so she actually assigns me and helps our group with group practice. So we do a lot where they call it a sadhana, your daily practice, um, where many of us are doing the same practice every morning, every day to sort of move ourselves forward, but then also our group, which is really nice because she's created a really nice women's community. So usually I'll get an assignment that's like 40 days. That's usually the minimum. And then you can do 80 or 120 of certain meditations. What Kundalini Yoga, why it's different is it's really meditation heavy. Um, it's also not super asana heavy, meaning like the actual postures. You'll do the same thing for minutes and minutes and minutes upon end. And then there's also a lot of mantra and chanting and mudras. So it's a very active meditation. I have a very hard time sitting in silent meditation. Um, I've never actually been super great at that. So when I'm doing a kundalini meditation, when I'm chanting or I'm, you know, touching my fingers and there's some movement, it really helps me actually go deeper and actually move the energy. Um, But the main philosophy I would say that or the main benefit I get from kundalini yoga as opposed to other modalities I've tried is it's focused on the aura. And it's really focused on your electromagnetic field. And that's what actually makes you radiant. That helps you attract. You can actually lodge things and program things in your aura. And as part of like a a manifestation practice, it also helps you, at least with my business, the stronger your aura gets, the more you can hold success. Because you, you know, there's these people sometimes where I've experienced where you get the success and it sort of slips right through. It's because your auric field is not actually um, operating at a in a in a way that can actually hold it and retain it. So I consider it sort of like a business. It's like a business strategy for me is to to do these practices. Kathleen, this is like your age old answer to the question <laughs> I know. that you pose at being boss. <laughs> Okay, so my number one question, since we started the podcast, the thing that I've been seeking that you just answered in a way that nobody has ever answered is how do we how do we expand our capacity for success? Because mm. I think that any creative entrepreneur or freelancer or side hustler can be successful with their talent or with their grit or whatever materials and tools they have access to. But it's the capacity for success that's a little more elusive. And it's what I've been probably asking in one way or another of every guest that comes on the show. And you just answered it without me even having to ask it. So there you go. It's, you it's read my mind. Th- probably well, quite literally. <laughs> maybe. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the it's all comes down to your auric field and your energy field and what you can hold there and how and how much you can hold and how you can extend it. And so that's what I work on every single day because I 
I hold a lot in my aura right now. We've got this business and we've got about 12 employees and we've got these goals. And so there's a certain Kriyas or like yoga sets where I'm actually like embedding that, holding that, imagining that in my auric field and in my arc line, which is another part of your aura, which women have two of, which goes like uh, ear to ear and then nipple to nipple. And you're so you've seen like halos on people. That's really like their arc lines. So you can actually program things into your arc line and expand your capacity, but it takes daily practice. It takes daily practice. Okay, so wait, where do I learn more about this? Is this Kundalini specific? Yeah, well, do I need to find a local class or can I read a book? Can I watch a YouTube video? Yes, yes, to all of it. (laughs) Um, my, my teacher, her name is Guru Jagat, which is G, I'm gonna, we're gonna talk about her name. G-U-R-U space J-A-G-A-T. But it's not, she's not a guru. And she's not my guru, but in Gurmukhi, that language, guru means from light to dark. And so it's a, a teacher is called a guru, or not even a teacher is called that, but in Kundalini Yoga lineage, you get assigned a name. She didn't get to pick it. Her name is Guru Jagat. But I know sometimes people are like, so are you going to go meet with your guru? And I'm like, Ugh. you know, like, no, yeah. she's a teacher. She's like in her 30s. Um, and so her book that we sell at my shop is called Invincible Living, and it's an amazing kundalini yoga book. But because she is such a badass businesswoman and Aquarian woman, she um, has a website called Rama TV. And on Rama TV, it's sort of like Netflix for kundalini yogis. You can subscribe and access all of her classes. Um, and then what I love about her and what she's created for women is that she's got these camps. So I go to like Kundalini yoga camp a couple times a year and we go to like these sacred mountaintop places and meditate and learn and hear lectures. She's a very prolific speaker. I feel like I'm just like pushing her hard, but she's been such an amazing influence on me. And I practice mainly at home um, through those resources. And that's another thing I love about Kundalini Yoga is your daily practice is just in the morning. You don't have to go to a studio. Like you can just tune in and do it yourself. Now we know our bosses and we know that many of you are looking to easily sell online courses memberships and digital downloads to your audience. Well, we found a solution for you in Podia, your all-in-one digital storefront where you can sell your online boss creations in one place with no technical knowledge needed, no third-party plugins required, and zero transaction fees. Start selling today with a 14-day free trial of Podia and as an exclusive offer to the Being Boss listeners, 15% off for life by going to podia.com slash boss. That's P-O-D. DIA.com slash boss. I just thought about part of the reason why I asked you about kind of things getting culty earlier is because I want everyone to know I would probably be the first person to join a cult. (laughs) (laughs) I did join a cult, apparently. Whenever I was watching Wild Wild Country, I was like, I this looks good until it went bad. And even then I still kind of wanted some of those maroon outfits. Okay, but let's let's change gears here. Um, I want to talk a little bit about law of attraction and man- manifesting. I think sure. that's something that our listeners are... Oh, <laughs> well, a, a Emily law- gave me the finger. <laughs> you can always finish your sentence when I give you the finger, okay. Kathleen. <laughs> um, so 
And I want to talk about this in relationship to you opening Modern Mystic because we kind of cut off the story of the journey. And I feel like manifesting and probably opening the shop probably come hand in hand. Yeah, Yeah, just this idea of, you know, what you're seeking and you were seeking is seeking you. I think it was Paolo Coelho. Yeah. Never say his name right. I know. From The Alchemist. (laughs) I love I love that book, The Alchemist. Um, if you all haven't read it, you've got to check it out. But I think it's a re- really good example of how, you know, you can kind of be on this journey. So, yeah, speak to opening yes. the actual store yeah. and manifesting and how you continue to manifest. So that was another, obviously, maybe not so obviously, mystical experience. So, okay, so I was doing all this self-work. I was doing all these, um, you know, freelance projects and managing all these clients. And then I hit, and I was actually also seeing tarot clients. So what grew first was my tarot business. So as I was seeing more tarot clients, I was doing less marketing work. So I had about four clients on retainer and I would drop a client every three months or so as we started growing with the tarot business. And then by the time the shop did open, I still was hanging on to that like one client that I just still needed, you know, and I, I think that that's great actually to have side hustles because it keeps you out of the survival mode of making bad decisions because you feel like you need money. So I was doing my tarot readings, seeing less and less, doing less and less uh, marketing work. And then I hit a depression. And I don't use that word lightly. And I thought I had hit depressions before and I didn't. Like, it was a couple of months of like, I couldn't leave the house. My husband was driving me to my therapy appointments. Like, it was unreal. Um, but luckily, because I had done all this work on myself, I knew not to be hard on myself. I was just like, okay, this is what's happening now. Maybe this is what life is like uh, for me. And I could not figure it out. And this one day I had like all my, I'm sure this sounds so dramatic, but it was true. I had all my cards out. And I'm like sitting on the floor, like trying to find these answers. And I heard a uh, call Christian. And Christian is a friend of mine who's also a tarot reader. And he gave me this reading and he said, this is no big deal. You've just outgrown your container. Your energy is like stuck in this little coffee can and you need to expand. And so you feel stuck and you can't move. And I was like, okay. And so my husband does ritual magic and um, he gave me this road opening ritual to do, um, which we teach at the shop. I'm happy to share that with anyone who would need it because it changed my life. And so on one full moon, I didn't even know what I wanted to attract per se, but I carved these words into these candles and I prayed and I did this ritual with like my full self, like it would save my life. And I did it and did it. And it took two hours and I was crying and I was, I, I, and then I let it go. And then right after that, literally within like a week, um, I always had the idea for the shop as a long-term idea, but, um, one of my clients heard me talking about it and she gave me the money to start. And then within like another week, the location opened up. And then within probably 30 days of that ritual, the shop was open in our first location. So that's how that happened. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. I want to talk about this like manifesting things, you not knowing exactly what it is that you wanted, but still getting exactly kind of what you wanted, but definitely what you needed. Because this is something that I struggle with a ton. Like I know I need to be like defining what I want so I can like, you know, point my arrow towards it and move towards it. But I struggle with getting specific sometimes on a very serious level. So can you talk a little bit about how to manifest what Mm -hmm. you need if you don't know what you need? 
I have an unpopular opinion. So I, and this is just me, like a lot of people get super specific and I'm the opposite. And I also cannot visualize things very easily, which is weird because I'm psychic, but that's not my sense. I, I hear things and I feel things more than I see things. And so for me, I just really in that ritual and in manifestation in general, try to get a tone of what I want my life to feel like very strongly as if like my first time I actually tried to actively manifest, I was just like, I want to manifest a tone for my life where I don't have to wake up to an alarm clock. That's it. I don't know what that looks like. I just know that I fucking hate waking up to an alarm clock. And so that's the life that I started to create. And so for me, it's a thousand times more effective to feel what it is that you want or how it will feel when you experience it than it does to actually say specifics. I am one of the only people I know that think that. So I, but it works for me. It works for me a hundred percent of the time. This is right along the lines of how I feel as well. But apparently that hasn't kept me from, or it hasn't kept me from feeling guilty for my inability to get specific. So if anything, you just gave me permission to just do it the way I need to do it. Okay, but here's the deal, is that you did get specific. You said, I want to feel what it's like to wake up without an alarm clock. That is incredibly specific. It's maybe one small nugget of that specificity specificity you were doing yeah. it you did it <laughs> I did it but do you know what I mean and I, I do but I do like how you are kind of getting into the feeling and I would say that I get very specific visually and probably because I have a visual arts background and I think in images and symbols and so for me whenever I can get into the visual then I follow it to the feeling so it's making me wonder if whenever it comes to manifesting and I feel like the three of us here are pretty good at it um, it is always going back to the feeling but you're the way that you might get into that feeling is along a different path that could be. I would say I'm also kind of skipping one step, which is like when you, you reminded me when you say like the feeling too, it's like healing is another big step to manifesting because I feel like there are so many pains or so many belief systems or things that are just keeping us so locked up to even have the idea of like what is possible, right? And so I think that's also kind of like a preliminary step that, or maybe a simultaneous step too is like, uh, let's move through some of the lower feelings and some of the frustrations and the angers and the pains too to get that sort of moved through your body so there there's space to cultivate a different feeling. That's you know, going back to that container or that capacity for what you want. If it's all full with junk or clutter or whatever it might be, there's no space to get what you want. So another thing that I want to point out is that we're manifesting everything. Yes. I mean, everything in our lives is a result of us manifesting something. So I said, you know, we're good at manifesting things. Everybody here, everyone listening is good at manifesting things because everything in your life is evidence of stuff that you've manifested, right? The good and the bad, though. That's another right. piece, right? So right. it's like... All of it, yes. <laughs> so for me, I think that the visualization and the getting specific part is really having some control over what I'm manifesting, good or bad, for example. And so even just more a recent ex example of this that I just realized I had manifested was that I always imagined living 
um, in the same town as one of my closest friends. And she lived in Durham for a really long time, North Carolina. And I thought, okay, well, maybe I could move to Durham. And then without even thinking about it, a few years later, we both ended up randomly in Michigan. We're two Mm -hmm. hours door to door. And we were hanging out this past weekend. And I realized, oh, yeah, this is what I visualized. I thought it was going to happen in Durham or somewhere else. Whoever knew that it would happen in Michigan. But by getting specific about that feeling of being in the same place as my favorite friend or you know what I mean like it made me realize oh I manifested that and I was intentional about it and it showed up sure maybe it's less being less specific about the how like how it shows up right right I think people get caught up on that so it's like I want to make five hundred thousand dollars or I want to sell five hundred thousand dollars of this sort of item by this time Maybe that's specific and you get the tone of that, but then how that comes to be, maybe that's not for you to decide. There's got to be space for the miracles and the grace and all of the other untangible factors that can push it through two years later or in a way that you didn't expect. So I would say using room for both. I love that. And it's going back even to the alarm clock. You weren't thinking, I want to not wake up to an alarm clock because... I am living in a tiny house in the middle of the woods and it's the sun and a rooster waking me up. That's where my mind would start to go with all these things. And instead just saying, I just want to wake up on my own. I don't know how or what that looks like. Right. Right. So I guess it's like specifically specific and not specific all at the same time. If you can kind of reconcile those two notions. Right. And this kind of even flips something that we say often on its head where we're always talking about, you know, just enjoying the journey and not becoming attached to the outcome. But this is literally the opposite where you attach yourself to the outcome and just ride the journey however it needs to take you there. Or almost even even enjoying the outcome before it's appeared, too. Is something well, like that's doing. the main thing. So that's another great point, which is like, I tend to put things into motion and then act as if they're already done. And so I have I understand that by the time I get to the place where it has to be done, it's waiting for me. So how and that as I counsel a lot of people with tarot readings, like how would you be behaving or what choices would you be making if you knew this was a for sure thing in the future? Because a lot of times we hold ourselves up because we're like, well, maybe if this might happen. So it's like, well, what would you be doing if you knew it was a sure thing? That's how you should be, or not should, but that that would help you call it in much faster and with more ease. Um, and then one more thing I like to say about manifesting that I learned uh, is that don't assign a timeline. A lot of times, like I thought the shop would be like a five-year thing. I mean, I'm not even, it hasn't even been open for two years yet and we're killing it. I hate, I mean, I don't want to be like bragging, but I mean, this is far exceeded. That's why I didn't want to be too specific. It's far exceeded any capacity I thought for what this could produce and like in record time. So don't set like it has to be my five-year goal per se. Like what happens if it happens in year two? You're going to say, oh, sorry, I have to wait about three years. You right. know? Okay. I want to come to the brick and mortar shop because you're yes, one please. of the few guests that we've had on that has a brick and mortar and it's thriving. Yes. Tell us all your secrets. <laughs> all the secrets. I... I am, I'm super proud of, of myself and of my, my husband and our team. Um, and this is definitely a group effort, but I would say a few things, um, that we've done really right is number one, we've really focused on, 
uh, products that are handmade, small batch, intentional that you can't just like go on Amazon to buy. So pretty much everything in our store has a story, has a maker, has a meaning, and you can really only buy it from us or from the makers or maybe from other shops that have curated similar items. And I think that's really put us ahead of the curve with this digital age of people just like wanting immediate gratification, boom, 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 I'm buying this thing, right? So I would say that's the first thing. The second thing is we've really, it's about the people. It's about like actually having an experience with our customers. And so we really try to focus on having an experience within the shop. So the way that our store is laid out in the old metaphysical stores, everything's in cases. You can't touch stuff. You know, you, you just have to kind of look through the glass and kind of <laughs> like, like, I don't know, ask someone to unlock a key or use a key to unlock the case. We have all of our crystals displayed. You can feel them. All of our candles you can smell. You can get a tarot reading. That's an experience. And we consult as best we can. On the weekends, it's tough because we have like thousands of people strolling through there on the weekends. But um, especially on our on our slower times, we really go out of our way to consult people and to teach them about how to use a crystal, what they come in with their problems. And sometimes people are grieving or have a struggle with anxiety and we're there for them. And we've created a space that they can't get just like online buying the same or buying a product, you know, from Amazon, let's say. Uh, we educate. We do events every Sunday. We have these Sunday school classes about these different metaphysical topics. And we're really trying to share freely information. And I think that's been something that's really um, created these, and when I was at Mose, they would call them raving fans. That's what we've created, the, these experiences that people remember, and they're so impactful. They tell friends, and it's their favorite place on earth. There's so many people that are like, this is my favorite place, and then they bring their sister, and then they bring their mom, and then it becomes everyone's favorite place. So I'd say, like, how can you create experiences for people that they can only get through you, and how can you offer something that they can't just, like, click a button and buy? Would be a few of the things, I guess. This is all good stuff. And I have to say too, I've been to I've been to your shop and it is a beautiful experience. It is such a cool place and I love how accessible everything feels. And I mean, I guess I'm like I'm not a newbie at these sorts of things, so you know, it's easier for me to pick things up, but I feel like I've sat there. One of my favorite things to do at metaphysical shops, especially like New Orleans is my very favorite place mm-hmm. to do this, is to watch the people who have never been in shops like that wander in off the streets and watch <laughs> them like take in everything for the first time. And I remember doing that in your shop, and there's something about the atmosphere that makes everyone feel comfortable in situations where I think in different settings would probably be a little more uncomfortable. And I say that because we are in the South and it can be real, real here. Um, But it's a beautiful space. Thank you. And I think that's a part of it too. Like sometimes people stumble in by accident because it doesn't look like a metaphysical store. I mean, you see the crystals everywhere, but it's just really beautiful. And so people are attracted to just unknowingly, or maybe their guides are kind of like pushing them through the door and they find themselves in some sort of crystal haze. (laughs) And they're like, tell me more, you know, how do I, how do I use this? I'm curious, you know, and, um, yeah, I, it's really, it's really special and I can, you know, mention a few things. And then there's also this weird X factor of where, you know, in my world, there's like unseen support. And like, I feel like we've created our team like in the tangible form. And then we've got this like whole team that we are unseen that like help us because it doesn't actually make sense 
the momentum that we have like in any sort of business formula. So I think there's that that too. How can we hire more metaphysical, spiritual guides into our businesses? <laughs> like, you I, like out a job application. <laughs> what does that look like? I think I don't think it's that. I think it's like listening to them. You know, like those nudges that might come through, or those knowings. Like some of them probably are you and your intuition, and then some of them might be ancestors or angels or guides that are like lining things up in that way. And so the best way is to ask for it, like out loud, you know, and make it clear, like any help. And all those moments, that moment of depression, that those moments of confusion, and I'm trapped in this cult, like all of those moments, like something that felt greater than me, like got me to move. And I think you have to ask. You just ask. We all have access to that. Okay. I do have to ask though. Yeah. Your yeah. aura is large and filled with awesomeness. <laughs> large and in charge. <laughs> right. Um, and you're doing all of these things. How do you make time for a daily spiritual practice as a boss who is making it do? It's the first thing I do or else I don't do it. So literally I roll out of bed. Usually some, there's certain times where we have to be, do, we're supposed to be doing our sod nut like the 4, 4 a.m. kind of hour. That's not usual for me. Usually it's around six. I like get out of bed, go to the bathroom, drink some water and go. And I'm not even sometimes fully awake. And I see it like a business meeting with myself. Like it's, I see when I do my practice, on a regular basis, I, my business grows and thrives. My staff is happier. Like things are coming in. And so to me, it almost feels like a business decision. Like this is the first thing we do for our business every day. It's not. And that's even how we create our workspace. It's like an integrated place to work where you don't have to be like work Kelly and spiritual Kelly. You just show up. And so sometimes I have to force myself just like I wouldn't stand up. You know, if I had an appointment with, you know, a vendor or one of my staff members, I wouldn't stand them up because I was tired or it was too early. So I kind of have to treat it like that. And, and for me, it's like the linchpin of, I attribute a lot of the success to that one thing. So like, why wouldn't I do it? You know? For sure. All right. I'm, I'm a Kundalini yogi now. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me. Just tell me what I need to wear, what I need to eat. I know. See, that's the thing. Like, they do have do rules. It. They, they, they will ch- click. It'll click, check some of your culty boxes. I so, know. like, we can talk about that because it's okay. you just, like, do what feels right for you, you know. But they wear white. They wrap their heads. But there's always, like, energetic reasons why. And you don't have to do any of that, you know. Let's go into a little quick fire before we wrap up. Okay. This is kind of a new thing I wanted to try All out. right. Let's You're see. You're first. Oh, no. <laughs> if you could only pick one spiritual tool, so whether that's tarot, crystals, sage, whatever that might be, something that maybe you sell in your shop, what would it be and why? Uh, it would be a tarot deck for sure because it was my first, one of my first loves. And it just gives me a wealth of information all of the time. And it feels like an extension of me. So it's sort of just like an extra limb or something. So it'd have to be tarot. Okay, and then on that note, what tarot card do you resonate with the most and why? Uh, the star card is my all-time favorite card in all decks. Like when we get new decks in the shop, I, like, I'm like, let me just see the star card. Um, for me, it's always been a card that 
it shows me a sign. Like I feel like a sign is coming or a big movement and it's my hell yes card. So sometimes I'll even wait to do something until I get the star card, like eventually, because it's such a strong sign for me. So it's always been my favorite. It's in every deck. And in the uh, Illus Tarot, uh, the star card is Alanis Morissette and I just love her so much. And so another reason why I love the star. Uh, <laughs> That's perfect. Tarot is so good. Yeah, it's awesome. Okay, who is your favorite witch in pop culture? So when you mean pop culture, do you mean like a like a character or like do you mean like an actual witch? It could be an actual witch that is popular in our culture or it could be a character in a TV show or it could even be a celebrity that you think is super witchy but doesn't maybe come out and say like, I'm uh, a witch. Okay, so I would say maybe if it's a celebrity, I would go Alanis, man. Like, I'm a super fan of hers. She really helped me through like my ragey teens. Um, and even if I need to like a catharsis sometimes, I'll just like rock out to you ought to know but she's really into a lot of this stuff and she's i don't want to name drop but like she's bought stuff from my store before which made me like so fucking happy (laughs) i'm like alanis knows i exist somehow in like this universe (laughs) so i think she's super witchy and then i don't know that my teacher guru jagat would call herself a witch but she works with energy she's an astrologer she's a yogi and like as far as like a real life person um whether she associates herself with that or not, she's into a lot of witchy shit, and I think she's awesome. I love it. And what makes you feel most boss? Oh, I love this question. I would say when my staff and my husband and our vendors and everyone is feeling like super purposeful and everyone's growing and thriving and sort of rising together through this little bubble of modern mystic shop, it's by far when I feel most boss and just most proud. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Kelly, for coming to hang out with us. It was a pleasure to chat with you about your spiritual journey. I think it's probably like the most flavorful. Is that the right word? (laughs) So far, for sure. Um, And about opening your shop. Again, I think think that it's amazing. I love what you're doing. And um, I think bringing all of these tools and things like into the modern world is super imperative and aren't people hungry enough for it. Right. Thank you. It was awesome. You guys are great. Thank you so much. And before you go, tell us where our listeners can find you online and offline. Great. You can find us on modernmysticshop.com on Instagram. Uh, it's modernmystic underscore shop. We also have our Sunday School at Modern Mystic Shop podcast. So if you want to learn about more witchy stuff and then in person, you can always stop by a Modern Mystic Shop in Pond City Market in Atlanta, Georgia. If you're coming through the city, make sure you stop by. Hey bosses, I want to tell you about the CEO Day Kit. The CEO Day Kit is 12 months of focused planning for your business in just one day. So Emily and I have packaged up the exact tools that we've been consistently using for years that have helped us grow from baby bosses to the CEOs of our own businesses. Gain clarity, find focus, get momentum, prioritize your time, make better decisions, and become more self-reliant with the CEO Day Kit. Go to courses.beingboss.club to learn more and see if it's a fit for you and your business.
Thank you for listening to Being Boss. If you're looking for more help in being boss of your work and life, come check out our website where you can find episode show notes, browse our archives, and access free resources like worksheets, trainings, quizzes, and more. It's all at www.beingboss.club. Do the work, be boss.